0: at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: We have a perfect God, a wonderful Heavenly Father, one who loves us, one who has demonstrated that perfect love to us, even when we were in rebelliousness. He sent His Son into this world to redeem us. What does that mean? To bring about a kingdom change, to cause us to be a new creation in Messiah. And we can only be that new creation, let me say it a different way, we can only be that kingdom creation in Messiah. Now that term Messiah is related to king. Therefore, he does a kingdom work in our life to bring us into his kingdom and because he's the king by nature our new nature we're going to want to submit we're going to want to obey we are going to want to honor him and part of that is a desire to come into his presence to draw near to him and this coming into his presence drawing near to him when we look at that in the hebrew language it is related to worship and that's why we have been saved that's why we were created the first time that's why we have experienced this new creation that we might worship god and become his kingdom people now being the kingdom people is not just by declaration that's part of it but also after that declaration by grace What Messiah has brought about and changed us and made us his redeemed kingdom people. We should begin to live and demonstrate that new identity in word and in deed. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 84. The book of Psalms and Psalm 84. Now here we have a change. We have for the last several weeks been looking at a series of Psalms that come from one author. His name is Asaph. We are now going to look in this 84th Psalm of a writing by what's called the sons of Korach. Now, we've encountered them before in our study of Psalms. And again, we're going to look at one of their Psalms in this study. So let's begin. Take out your Bible and look there with me to that psalm that I mentioned, Psalm 84. And it begins with an inscription, that familiar word where we address it as the choir director, the chief musician, that one who conducts the orchestra for the purpose of worship. So it says, to the chief musician, upon the getit now getit most scholars see that as a musical instrument some would say that it's a melody but putting that aside because it's unknown when we look at that we see that it's for worship that it's for chanting or singing and then it says by the sons of Korah, as i mentioned and it concludes this first verse in the hebrew text the inscription mizmor which is indeed one of these words that describe a psalm. And again, we talked about this word last week in our study of Psalm 83, where a mizmor is a psalm of worship, whereby the purpose of that is to rid us of those things that are displeasing, dishonoring, those things that are hindrances for us worshiping God, and serving God, and living a life that is praiseworthy. Well, let's move into the next verse. Look, if you would, to verse 2 in Hebrew, where it says, "ma How, and the next word, is a word that expresses love, a word that expresses adoration, a word that expresses that which is pleasant and pleasing. And as we continue, we have the term dwelling places. So how pleasant, how lovely, how great, we might say, from a feeling standpoint, how great we feel when we consider the fact of God's dwelling places, that he is among us, that he shares his presence with his people. And obviously, we're talking about God because this verse concludes, Hashem Tzavot. Again, Tzavot means almighty. Literally, it's a word for army, and it's in the plural armies. It speaks of God's power, his absolute ability to achieve whatever he desires to do. So how lovely, how pleasant, how pleasing are your dwelling places, meaning where you are, where you are moving, where you are acting, the things in this world that we see attributed to you, they are pleasing, they are loving. And he says here at the end of this, O Lord of hosts, next verse. He says, my soul, and there's a word for yearning, it's a word of great intense desire. Now, in the Hebrew language, the root is the same word for where we get money. And it's chosen because silver, kesef, is desirable, people long for it, they want it, they work hard for it, and therefore this word simply means that my soul longs for, yearns for, has a strong desire And even, vegam, and even, it says here, is just brought to nothing. Comes to a conclusion. Meaning this. If we're not experiencing you, God, it's over. You are our life. With you, we find that sustenance. That ability to live and behave and we have our being. So the psalmist here. The sons of Korah they are giving God adoration and they are are verbalizing how much they desire God and notice what it says again my soul yearns also is is finished is completed for what for the courtyards of the Lord And it is indeed, in the plural, the courtyards. Now, this is a word that relates to the temple and locations where people would gather for worshiping God. So what is this psalmist saying? We desire to worship you. Our end objective is to be in your presence, giving you thanks, honoring you, glorifying your name, praising you, this is the objective and we need to realize that that is true that is the objective that god has given to humanity to worship him and notice this commitment look at the second part of the verse where it says my heart and my flesh now normally we think of the flesh in one way very different from the heart there is that spiritual and that fleshly that spiritual that carnal what this psalmist is saying the sons of Korah, is this when we truly desire God there is going to bring that desire is going to bring about a unity within us it is going to bring a total submissiveness of our very essence to the things of God and even to God himself so my heart and my flesh, they shout. And this is a term that speaks of a legitimate emotional expression because of experiencing God. So my heart and my flesh, they shout to El Chai, the living God. Now, for the psalmists, these sons of Korach, they understand that God is a living God. One of the ways that some commentators have helped us to understand that is that God is an active God, a living God is an active God, a God that can be found, a God that can be be spoken to, a God that gives revelation, a God who is alive and brings himself into his people, meaning this, it's a relationship term, so the living God. And then we move on to the next verse, verse four in Hebrew three and others. Also, a bird. Now, some Bibles will will translate this and give it a specific type of bird, but when we look here, it's simply, simply the word "sepor," which is the general word for a bird. Even a bird find found a house. It's in the past. Even a bird has found a house, a place of belonging, shelter, a home. And dwar, which is this word for a sparrow, a very small bird, a nest for her. So we see the parallelism between they can house, and a nest. We see generally and even a small, what might be thought of an insignificant bird, Nothing, and we could say it this way, no one is insignificant to God. Messiah died upon that tree. He shed his blood for every individual. And God is love. He loves his creation and he is committed to his creation. And that's why we know that his son told us that, that not even a bird, not even a insignificant bird like a sparrow falls to the ground without God knowing it. God knows all things, and that knowledge is also related to his love, his concern, his provision. And so we see here that God is kind. He brings that which the world sees as insignificant into his presence, into his house, into into his courtyards. Look, if you would, to verse verse 4, the second part which she placed her chicks so now we see something she is placing her chicks what do we see the next generation such an important thing birds well we all know in english the expression a bird brain meaning birds don't have very large brains but these birds they recognize and they place their offspring those who they love cherish those who they're responsible for they place them where notice what it says which she placed her offsprings where at your altars now this is simply a word that relates to sacrifice and we may say a commitment she these birds are are placing their offspring in a place of sacrifice realizing the blessed thing that we can do the safest thing that we can do is to be totally committed live sacrificially unto the lord the lord of hosts who is notice how this verse ends my king and my god i think the order is significant if we're going to experience hashem as god First, we need to recognize him as king. God, we see his term relating to God the Father, God the provider, God the judge. But until we, we approach him as our king, as the Lord, we're not going to experience God in our life we're not going to find his activity going on so recognizing his Lordship recognizing his rule that he becomes our king and our God verse verse 5 in Hebrew blessed are those who dwell in your house now this word for dwell speaks of commitment it speaks of a decision in the same way that that you had to make a decision where you would live and you had to make a commitment in the sense that it costs money you had to do something you had to work and you may be continuing working in order to pay off that mortgage where you have established where you have chosen your house to be and therefore what he's saying is this those who are committed those who have made that decision concerning God to want to worship Him, to be in His presence, what's the outcome of that? Ashre. They are going to be blessed ones. They are going to be happy ones. So happy are the ones who dwell in your house. And notice the outcome. Od, meaning more, or in this sense, it could be referring to a continuation. They will play, praise you, Selah. So when we make the right decision, when we live out a commitment to be in God's presence, the outcome of that is blessing, and we are going to have much to praise God for. Now, I hope you are are seeing a pattern in this this psalm. We see that there is a commitment of worship, drawing near to God, and the outcome of that is blessing. And we're not speaking about material blessing. We're speaking about the blessings of the presence of God. God moving in our life, in our situation. Simply that which places within us that knowledge that we belong to God, that God recognizes us as his people. And then we see next verse, verse 6 in Hebrew, 5 and others. That same word, ashre, a word of blessed, a word of happy. So blessed or happy is the man. Then we have the word oz for power. Power to him is in you, recognizing that our power, the power that is to us is found in him. Now that phrase in him, I oftentimes say that word in when it refers to in Messiah. In you, O God. It's a reference to a covenant. And here's the truth of the matter. Until you are in a covenantal relationship, and let's be even more specific, until you are in a new covenant relationship with God through Messiah, two things we can say. Without that covenantal relationship through Messiah, you have no God. That's the first thing. You can only know and experience God through that new covenant. Now, can a person know that God exists? Sure, we can read this book, someone can, and say, yes, I believe there's a God. But that is a belief that is rooted in knowledge. We're not talking about that. We're talking about knowing God personally, knowing God intimately, experiencing God. Knowing, not by confession, but knowing by experience, a personal experience through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God is, God exists. So it's not a confession, I believe that there's a God. It's I know because I've experienced God in my life. So when we do that, it says, Blessed is the man. Power is to him in you, in that new covenant relationship. And then we have a word, misilot. Misilot is plural. It speaks about uh, pathways. Now, if you go to the airport in Israel, you will have that word being used for runways. And basically, it's a word, a path, a road. And what it says is this, that the pathways of life are found what? In their heart. Now, it's speaking here about God. And I have a covenantal relationship and therefore God changes my heart. He gives me a new heart, a circumcised heart. I'm going to think differently. I'm going to think according to his truth. And that is going to cause me to travel very differently. Let's just think of it in a very simple way. Did you not make different decisions? Were you not walking in a different way, in a different objective? prior to coming to salvation prior to experiencing that redemption yes you did you made foolish decisions decisions of the world but now having been redeemed by the king of kings we make and this is the objective this is what we're called to do this is what the sons of korak are admonishing us to do we now make decisions that are rooted in a kingdom hope a kingdom expectation, a kingdom commitment. So because of that, our hearts are changed and our pathways are going to be very different. We're going to travel a different pathway because we have a different objective, a different destination that we want to arrive to. Verse 7 in Hebrew, 6 in others. Ovrei baka. The ones who... Pass, pass through the valley of Baca. Now, we need to be careful because oftentimes, especially if you use AIDS, instead of looking at the original language, you can make errors. Because Bacha, well, if you hear that, you have to ask, how is it spelled? And here it's spelled bet kaf Aleph if it's spelt bet kaf hey it's speaking of crying or weeping but be careful because if you look at many of the biblical dictionaries those things that are aids to studying words sometimes we find that there's the the normal root and that same word is written in a different way. If you look at dictionaries of Hebrew words, you will find that the term weeping can be written, bet kaf he or bet kaf aleph. And this goes along, it's talking about the valley, the valley of weeping. Now, just to to share with you that I do do my research, that same word, baka, can, and some interpret it to be a certain type of Of tree and therefore it's the valley that is known for having numerous trees of this variety but when we look at this i don't believe that is the best interpretation i agree with the idea that baka with aleph on the end relates to weeping so the ones who pass through this valley of weeping baka He is going to set it as a spring. Now, a spring is refreshing. Now, we have the term naot midbar. We saw that word last week in our study as well, naot. And I mentioned that naot is a word that can relate to that which is pleasing, coming, or, or an oasis. So, when I say coming, it draws you, it pulls you there. So, it's something that is pleasing. And what we see here is that this valley of, of weeping, God's gonna set it, He's gonna bring change, and it's gonna become a spring, a place of refreshing. Even, keep reading in the next part, brachot. Brachot is a word for blessing. So, this valley, that we sometimes find ourselves in a place of weeping of despair of hardship of emotional sadness god is able to set it as a spring a source of provision a change that he can make these difficult things these things of trouble and one of the ways that that emek habaka is spoken of is indeed as a valley of trouble. He's able to change that and set it as blessings. And to cover it up, when I say cover it up, meaning immerse it in what more? And here more in fitting with the concept of water, springs we saw in the first part of this verse, and then we see other things that relate to to water, these uh, blessings. And here, what's interesting is that the word brachot, we have the word bricha. Now, what's interesting, the vowels are different, but the word for pools can also be derived from the same word as, as blessing. And this is why I believe the best way to understand the end of this verse is to be wrapped up or immersed in the early rain. Meaning that God is going to send his blessings early. He is not going to delay. He is going to send those early rains. And the outcome of that, look at the next verse. They will go from strength to strength again a word of power they will go from strength to strength appearing before the lord meaning god literally he will appear to god where but in zion zion is a kingdom word so we go through these hardships god's going to bring a change he is going to turn these perhaps pools of tears into springs of provision they are going to become pools of blessing like it is when we get those those rains those early rains that prepare things for the latter rains which what they are the best rains because the ground has been prepared so the term early rain in that last verse shares us that these troublesome times are simply preparing us for something better look again these things these difficult times of trouble are going to give us strength they're going to make us stronger so they will walk from strength to strength it will appear before god in zion now it's singular here although the first part was plural next verse the lord god of hosts Hear my prayer. Now, notice, we see here in this place, this this beseeching, hear my prayer. And all of these things are going through a person's life in order to prepare them for a prayer that's going to be heard by God. And it says, and give ear, meaning lean towards, give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Now, I would uh, uh, commend to you asking yourself a question. And that is, why is the God of Jacob mentioned? The God of deceit, obviously, Yaakov in Hebrew is not a word of deceit. It is a word of change. Now, here's what we need to understand. We hear the word crooked in English, and we have a very negative connotation someone is not upright or straight but in the hebrew mind crookedness can relate to change god i'm pursuing him and i have to make changes i thought it was this way to god but now i find that i have to be willing to move to the right or to the left meaning god as we pursue him we are going to because of our limited knowledge at various times we are going to have to make change there was a wonderful study called experiencing god by what well, that was done by a man by the name of blackaby and this was one of the fundamental principles of this study is that god gives us a vision we begin to pursue it but realize we only have a partial picture at the beginning and what happens we're moving towards that and crises what's the crisis things seem to be different and what do we have to do we have to seek God we have to hear again from God we are dependent upon his continual revelation so that we can make those adjustments it's not that God's changed it's just that we need greater revelation we heard partially incompletely and therefore we're constantly having to make these changes why because we're pursuing god and that's what jacob that word literally means to pursue after to follow after something in a committed way and this is the context and why it says give ear to the god of jacob selah understand how you experience god is the way that jacob experienced god next verse verse 10 speaking of god our shield it says he saw now in experiencing God we're going to see it says see our shield oh God literally what it's talking about is that that God position that shield for us you become that shield our defense so our shield he saw God God saw what was needed to protect us and then it says and look at the face of your messiah now i like that because in this god he provided what we needed to shield ourselves from the attacks of the enemy and who is being lifted up here messiah it is not by accident that we see messiah this term Mashiach, your Messiah. Look at the face of your Messiah. And he is that shield that, that God, God provided for us, that deliverer. Next verse. For good is the day, and it's just Yom, so one day. For good is the day in your courtyards speaking about worship one day is what we could derive from this one day is good in your courtyards than a thousand now what does this mean better than a thousand well he's going to develop that in a moment but in the simplistic it's better one day in the courtyards of God than a thousand days in this world that we live in for he says same verse I have chosen, he's made a decision, I have chosen to be a, a keeper of the threshold, to stand at the threshold at the house of my God, rather than, he says, dwell in the tents of the wicked. Now, I hope you see what he's doing here. He's helping us understand. And these two passages give us a better understanding of what the intent is one day is better than a thousand well how do we understand that it is better to be a a doorkeeper in the the house of god than a a thousand years in in dwelling as it says here than than dwelling in the tents of the wicked so better to be a doorkeeper in the house of god than to dwell in the tents of the wicked in the same way one day is better than a thousand whether it's a thousand days a thousand years it makes no difference we don't want to be in this world we don't want eternity here but we want eternity in the kingdom with god's presence verse 12 verse 11 and other translations for a sun and shield is a Lord God what does that have to do with sun and shield well think about the time in this wilderness the children of Israel in that those 40 years we saw that in that desert God was a pillar of cloud to them during the day a shield from that heat and he was a pillar of fire at night so cloud by day fire by night the cloud was a shield fire was for the purpose of warming them up and so we have something similar here the fire the sun and a shield like that pillar of a cloud is a lord our god meaning he recognizes our needs and he is able to to keep us in that situation finally it says hen which is favor. Some Bibles may translate it grace. It's not the normal word grace, but that's okay. Favor and honor. That word kavod can be glory. So grace and glory, favor and honor, the Lord, he will give. And he will not refrain any good things. It's in the singular. Anything that's good for those who walk in And this word tamim, some will say purity or innocence, but the best way that I would suggest to you to understand this, this word tam is a word, it's in the plural tamim, it's to to refer to dependence. So when we depend upon God, trust God, rely upon God, and we're understanding his sovereignty, his lordship, his authority. That's what it means to depend upon him. We live in a way that demonstrates that we believe that, that we are under his authority. Then it says, no good thing is God going to refrain from those who walk in that type of dependence. Last verse. Hashem Savot, again, the Lord of hosts. Blessed is the man the one trusting in you now let me just conclude by saying every aspect of the biblical text is important and here we have the word Boteach why it's in the present the present tense and whenever there's a verb in the present tense it emphasizes this so he says very simply blessed that's that same word ashrei that's appeared I believe this is the third time blessed or happy it has both concepts in one word blessed and happy is the man doesn't say the jewish man the gentile man speaking about a principle for all of humanity blessed is the man that is trusting now and it's a trust that's continual blessed is a man who trusts in you so the question that we need to ask ourselves is this are we demonstrating to others are we living in a way that god sees yes you are trusting me because if we're not trusting relying upon depending if we're not pursuing the knowledge of god and it's not a a pursuit of just knowing things but experiencing god wanting to see his activity in our life and we know that is rooted in submissiveness and obedience to the purposes of god it is what worship brings about in us this change so we become just that this is what b'nai korach the sons of korach were were teaching us in this psalm well until next time shalom from israel
0: as you walk with it. Shalom from Israel.